We're going to be in 1 John today. We're actually going to finish chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. The saints' protection from Antichrist, big and small. Now, last week I discussed, uh, and we've been discussing about the the oncoming of the Antichrist, and, and even, so the Antichrist proper, and then the small Antichrist that have been with us since Jesus ascended. And today we're going to be talking about how we are protected from that when we know the Scripture. And so, just trying to take you back a little bit. Before I do, though, I, I, I feel and an, uh, I'm compelled to show you my grandson. Okay? So... This is uh, Royce James Kelly, uh, 8 pounds, 5 ounces, 21 inches long, born yesterday morning at 117, and uh, we're just, we're very proud about that, okay, so I just wanted you to meet him, but there he is. We haven't even got to see him in person yet, so, (laughs) okay, yeah, yeah. All right, 1 John chapter 24, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. The Bible says, Therefore let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And again, that's what the Antichrist do. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Six times in these verses, we have the word abide. And we've covered abide, to remain, to dwell before but John is, is, is constantly pushing us towards that which we have heard from the beginning. The other day, uh, and I, I sometimes do, I, I walk around the church, and, and this particular uh, day, I stood at various points of this empty sanctuary with the lights out. I stood at the corner of the sound booth, I stood over by the thermostat, and, and then, then I stood over against the wall over here on this side, and, and then I moved down, and I stood against the wall, and I, and I stood at different places in, in our auditorium, and then I stood here like this. And then I, and I, I even stood over here in the corner like this. And then I, I kind of, crept up and I and I sat here 
And then I even, I sit down here. And what I was, was imagining was what it's like when God is so strong in His attraction that we can't get enough people in here and those who want to come in can't get close enough because if you'll notice at every view of the seat what is it facing the cross when jesus captures your heart you can't get close enough and what is it that jesus captures your heart with his story the gospel his grace redemption and so I, am, I imagined as the old stories go when, whenever God was moving and they would so fill in like in, in the Hebrides the, the, the church buildings were so full and they're still standing, you can see this that they actually had to lift the preacher over the heads of the people to plop him out upon the stage so that he couldn't hardly get two words out edgewise, lest he had to sit down because God was so heavy in the room. And God preached redemption. And I just looked, and I imagined what that would be like. That which abides in us is the power of God unto salvation. That which abides in us is the gospel of Christ with which most of us here have responded to. But I also know that there are some here who haven't responded to it. But they've heard it. But it is our our desire and our plea that God would so animate the heart of those who've only heard with their head that they would hear with their heart. That the spiritual ears of their soul would be opened And then that glorious story of redemption and that perfect work of Jesus would compel them to draw near. That's that which abides in us. So what does John tell his readers in this time in which he's writing? Again, we're thinking A.D. 86 and up from there. He's an old man. He's been through the pot. Because we literally know that he was boiled in oil. But it didn't take. So he's an old guy. He's, he's seen those, those visions and wrote the book of the Revelation. Singular. Okay. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't ever say revelations. That lets me know you don't read your Bible. But he says to them, therefore let that abide in you. Let that stay and dwell in your soul. Have you ever just got alone in the week and thought about what the gospel means to you? For those of you who have been to Calvary's tree, For those of you who have not just viewed the cross from a distance, but come and have prostrated yourself down at it, at its base, and you know that your sin debt has been placed there, and you think about the gospel, and you 
think about that price that Jesus paid for you and how he came to you wherever he came to you at. Have you thought about it recently and just thanked God that that abides in you? Don't let the fires of heaven cool. Draw near again. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Go back and read the gospel again and again and again. Because you sin still. And I do too. And we need the gospel over and over But Jesus died once to satisfy that sin debt. And when we come to Christ by faith in repentance and humility and He gives us His his life for our life, that great exchange that happens, suddenly this cross is not decorative. It's personal. It's hard. And it's glorious. And it's mercy. And it's rich. And it screams, I love you. Let that abide in you. What you heard, now notice what he says. So there's a period after the word beginning. And then he says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father Clearly, John wants us to think about what we abide in. Do you realize if you know Jesus Christ here today, you dwell in the Godhead. God dwells inside of you. You're not alone. In fact, the concept of the entirety of the Godhead indwelling you should blow your mind. You have nothing to fear. And the world can scream and blow and threaten. And with one breath, God can vanquish His enemies. All of that... He puts inside his children. We are hidden, in fact, in Christ, in God. Do you think about the gospel like that? Are you thankful for the impact of, imagine for a moment where you would be today at your age, some of you are a little older than others, If it hadn't been for Jesus, where would your life be? Just think about it for a second. If God would have let you go on your way, in your sin, in your ministry, let you play out to the logical conclusion of your folly, where would you be today? What would you look like today? Let that abide in you. What you heard. From the beginning. The gospel. The gospel of Christ. 
the Christian's foundation stone. It is that in which his faith is born and is sustained. The gospel is the good news of God declaring the victory of Jesus, the Son, over death, hell, and the grave. It declares the death blow to Satan and his dominion. It proclaims the great emancipator of the sinner and sounds forth freedom's cry for all who receive it. The gospel is good news. It heralds absolute victory. It is God's final word to man. The gospel is Jesus. When you ask people, and I I dare you to, I, I challenge you to, I encourage you to, ask them, do you know what the gospel is? Just ask them that. You're looking, if those of you who want to share your faith and you say, I don't know how to start, just just ask the question, do you know what the gospel is? I know you've heard the name or the word gospel, but do you know what it is? You're going to get everything from the Bible to the golden rule to love to the church then you'll be able to say, while all those are admirable, and while the gospel is definitely in the Bible, that's not the gospel. And then you can share what the gospel is. And for those of you who have a hard time remembering things, like me, the shortest, most concise version of the, of the gospel in the entire Bible is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 3. Paul says, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and thus you have the Gospel. That's the shortest most concise version of the gospel. And then when you tell them that, you can say how you received that gospel and where you were and how you shudder to think what your life would be like today if it had not been for God's grace to show you a different way. Let that abide in you, the gospel. Think on it. Live it. Consume it. Meditate on it. Because of that which abides, the gospel, you have the promise. What promise? Well, verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. Eternal life. Now, by its very descriptor, the word eternal means... Forever. But then life follows it. Forever life. You realize we live in such a cynical society that's so inebriated on its own evil that it no longer is considered death to be something to be feared, at least as they say so as healthy people. That they live and then they die. That's what they say. 
when they feel good. You all know how strong you're not whenever you're sick. Men are the worst about that. Okay, they're big, turn wrenches, bust knuckles, but you get them sick, and it's just sad. The whole world is going to run. And, you know. Eternity becomes a much greater conversation whenever you're not sure where your next meal will come from. We don't know anything about that. Eternity becomes much more daunting whenever there are gangs of roving bandits or terrorists going through the countryside trying to take to take you or to kill you and take your stuff. Eternity can, be, can have a different ring to it if that's your reality. We don't know anything about that here. Eternity can become quite the all-consuming thought whenever disease is going on and there is no remedy and chaos is ensuing and you're not sure what the next 30 minutes will hold, much less tomorrow. And we don't know anything about that here. And it's very unusual that we don't. But when God decides to show us our mortality, and He allows just for a a moment a glimpse into how helpless we are, suddenly, words like eternity and death and what comes next becomes primary. For we will all stand before a holy God. And I am grateful that that which abides in me keeps me before my Jesus. So get this. If you know Christ, you get to stand before the judgment seat of Christ who's already your advocate. How good is that? You think that's some kind of conflict of interest. But there's no conflict. It's just all interest. We've passed from death into life. Our our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. This is the gospel, and it's abiding in me, and I live in it, and it's where I get my confidence, and it keeps me grounded because I have a living Savior. It's not what He did. It's what He's doing, and this is the gospel, and it's, it's abiding in me. It's abiding in you if you know Christ, and so if you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you, you got trouble. You're going to stand before God Almighty in His all holy gaze and you're going to be in your sin by yourself. No advocate. Totally unfiltered. Every heinous thing you've said and done. The Bible says you'll give account for every idle word spoke. And the biggest sin of all. The most atrocious, treasonous thing that you could ever do to your Creator is when you realize that you scorned His very best. When you scorned His Son 
And you put him to open shame. And you mocked him. You will melt into further degrees of wrath. I thank God for the gospel. I thank God that if you're here today and you're listening, you can be saved. That you don't have to go on living for you. That you don't have to be a pretender anymore. That God sees you for what you are. And he says, come, I've made the way. Let that abide in you. Be saved. Speak truth with your maker. Tell it like it is. Oh God, here's what I've done. I've done this, and I've done that, and I've kicked the dog, and I've done it all. I've done it all. And I'm a wretch, and I'm a wreck, and the very thoughts that I have are evil, and I drip wickedness. He says, you come. My son paid it all. Let that promise of eternal life compel you. Let that abide in you. Takes on a whole new ring, doesn't it? John 5.24 tells us, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. That's what Jesus said. If you think you can outsend God's grace, you don't know anything about it. The most monstrous sinner the world can produce even that man or woman that human cannot stand against the holy perfect redemptive work of Jesus Jesus says and I want to say it again I tell you the truth those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life They will never be condemned for their sins. What? But they have already passed from death into life. I, 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 as, a, as, a, as a granddad, it's a difference, okay? People say, do you feel older? Well, it's already feeling older before that. But I want you to know something. You can't get me with that because for every year that goes by, I, I, I rejoice. I rejoice because I'm so much closer to getting off this thing, right? And I can't wait. I can't wait to go home. I can't, if I could say it any more clear, I would say, I would sing it. Because I just want to be with him Without the flesh. So yay for me. Can't wait for 53. Okay. Or 63. That's pushing it for Kelly's. But I'm just saying. Okay. I'm so glad. I'm, how could I not be so happy about it? I, I, I'm 
man, why wouldn't I want to go? If you're in Jesus, can you not just imagine that day? It ought to be placed in the forefront, says Henry Drummond, of all Christian teaching that Christ's mission on earth was to give men life. I am come, he said, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly and that he meant literal life, literal, spiritual, and eternal life is clear from the whole course of his teaching and acting. We have to remember that Jesus was the perfect man and He showed us what it was supposed to be like. We are so so messed up. When I think about the Western church, Western Europe, Australia, Canada, North America, South America, All of those places. It's been so long that the church has operated as she should. That she's gotten used to living an abnormal life. People, you know, I hurt a lot. It just happens as you age. And so I don't don't think that, I used to hear old people say, you know, I've hurt so long, I forgot I hurt. And I'm like, how can that be? You're, you're just getting so old, you can't think straight. But I understand what they mean. You get used to living with pain, and for you, that's normal. So sometimes your body will be mean, and it'll give you a pain-free day, and you're like, what happened? This is the best day ever. And then the next day, it's back, you know. But this is not how it's supposed to be. And I am convinced that the Lord is going to give us a season of refreshing soon that will allow us to fulfill our mission in power like it's supposed to be, to operate as the church did as we're supposed to operate, to be able to communicate the faith to lost people in a way that literally melts their resistance because God the Holy Spirit is going to emanate from His people one last time because the harvest is plentiful and He's that good. As we go into verse 26, John writes, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So as John is writing to his audience, so he would say to us, that which abides, the gospel, the promise of eternal life, I'm writing these things to you that you may not be deceived. Now why would he say that? Clearly, they had a chance of being deceived. Have you even begun to take a catalog of the weirdos that are big-name teachers in our world today. They are openly saying things. These are prominent Christian ministers. No, they're not. They're, they're, They're hirelings, and they know nothing of God. That you 
are little gods and that you can actually help Jesus out. And that God really can't break down your will because you have to give him permission to do it. Oh, yeah. And all kinds of unseemly, unholy things that say to the lost world that wants to have religion, it's all about you. And they wouldn't know nothing about the Word of God if it hit them right in the head. So John says, don't be deceived. And for those that are looking for help in saving and salvation in government, whatever, I don't, that one really just, I, do not be deceived. And again, I know I say it often, but I can't help it. The thing about deception is, you don't know you're deceived because it's called deception. But when you know Jesus, and you hear those things, or you see those things, you're like, mm-hmm. that's not right. That's crooked. It's just, it's just a little egg-shaped. And for those of you who, you know, work ranches and things, if you've got a, a bolt that's a little egg-shaped, it just doesn't take a nut very well. It, it's askew, and you know it. And, and you know what? Here's the deal. The devil knows we know. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the persecution thing happens. Because he knows we know. We're like, hey everybody, don't do that. It's not true. That's not right. Here's the whole truth about that. He's like, shut up. He just doesn't, he doesn't want us to talk. And sadly, a lot of us stop talking. These things I have written you concerning those who try to deceive you. The things... These things that he's written to us are precious and preserving truths of the gospel of Jesus. He is the one who protects and preserves his own. And we can know these things when we read the scripture. If you do not read your Bible, Christian, you're going to be malnourished. When you get malnourished, your immune system falls a little bit and you get infected. Infected with what? Infected with all kinds of junk. Okay? If you stay up too much too long and you work too hard, you get a cold. You got to rest. Take and eat right. Read your Bibles every day. I will never stop saying it. Read your Bibles every single day so that you can withstand against the strategies of Satan as he seeks to try to deceive you. You're going to go, oh, no, no. I remember reading something about like that in the Bible. And while I don't remember everything, I know what it said. This is why this is wrong and crooked. R.C. Sproul, and this is a powerful, powerful thing R.C. Sproul said. I think the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests his power in the Bible. Everyone is looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything and everything but that in which God has placed it, his word. He alone has the power to change lives for eternity and that power is focused on the scriptures. We talked about one of the main plays of an antichrist, a false teacher, is that while they may show this for window dressing and they may piecemeal out a scripture, that will be the last you ever hear of any kind of expositional message. 
The rest is just fluff. Stay away. Unless every sermon is dripping with Scripture, don't listen. It's our only authority to speak. That's why John wrote, these things I have written. Yep, he sure did right there. He's written them. Do you know what he said? Have you read what he has written? Also too, people are going to get very dissatisfied in a wicked time such as ours with skittles and rainbows and butterflies. They need something to eat. The soul who is seeking after God is looking for food. Real food. And if you've ever been really hungry, you don't want a cracker. You want some meat. (laughs) Okay, you need something of substance. Something that has some fat in it. Bacon. You want to be filled. The last thing you want is a cracker or a piece of candy. Gross. Doesn't sustain life. May build a crowd, but it doesn't sustain life. So because of that which abides, here's what he's saying now. You have an anointing. Charisma. It's a beautiful word. Charisma. Verse 20 actually brought this up first. He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things because there were false teachers that the aged John was trying to protect his people from who were saying, you need to learn a new thing. And he's saying, you have an anointing here in verse 27. The anointing which you have received from him. Who? Who? Come on, say who. Jesus, thank you. Are we sure? Okay. You have received an anointing from Jesus. Let that abide in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Is not a license for you to say, I don't have to go to church. I got the Holy Spirit. Teach me all things. I don't need anybody to tell me about anything out of the Bible. I can read. It's not what he's saying. You're just espoused a doctrine of demons right there, by the way, and you thought it sounded pretty good. You need to be surrendered to the preaching ministry and the teaching ministry of the local church. Yes. You, you have an anointing to, to understand scriptural truth. It's so amazing. And it says that this same anointing teaches you concerning all things of what? God. And it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, it says, you will abide, you will abide, you will dwell in Him. So, if think of it this way. Every morning... If you don't have a, a quiet time and, and, and you've got to be at work by 8, you've got to get up a little earlier. You, you, you grab your coffee, because that's why God made it, to have Bible study. Okay? He makes a provision for everything. 
Okay, if you don't drink coffee, I'm sorry. But, well, there is tea. But you get your coffee. You get your Bible. You get a chair. It could be a couch. And you sit down. And before you do, if you're able to kneel, kneel. You say, God, good morning, Lord. Here I am before you. I'm right here. Thank you for being here too. Please speak to me through your word. Open its truths to me. Show me myself and show me more of who you are and what you're going to do today. God also, and then suddenly you're praying, be with so-and-so because they're being a little thick right now and they really need you to adjust them. And also, God, as I'm at it, Would you please revive your church? Oh, and Lord, make much of your name. And also, as I've read, Lord, hold them in derision as they seek to cast off all restraint. And then the next thing you know, you hadn't even got to reading yet because you're so raptured in praying. And then finally, you sit up in your chair and you say, Huh, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. God, does that mean that Everywhere I go today, you're shining out of me. That's exactly what it means. Oh, that's cool. Wow. (laughs) And you spend time with the Lord every day. Every day. Every day. How many days, Brian? Every day. That's right. Every day. The sufficiency of the indwelling person and ministry of the Holy Spirit will ensure that the child of God is preserved and guarded. By truth. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15 says, I still have many things, Jesus writes, to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Yes. Wow. And that's what you get to have all the time, anytime, every day that you want it, because I'm sure you all have one of these too. And if you don't, you need to go get one. We have them all over the place. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We have a very exclusive message. And they don't like us for that. But they can pound sand. Because my heart, my heart, is taken. And I belong to one God. And I have one mediator. And his name is Jesus. And he owns me. And he's taken my life. And he's wrapped it up with him. And I could no longer go do my thing willy-nilly and him let go. Then I could let go of standing here right now. He is going to keep me by his power, by his love. And it's because he abides in me. 
That's, that's what we have in Jesus. If you don't know Christ, then you have no abiding presence of Christ. You understand that? You have no anointing. You're dead in your sins. All you're doing is rotting and burping and belching rot. That's it. You have no life. You need the gospel. Jesus Christ paid for your sin debt. If you don't know Christ, then you have everything that Jesus is and you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, exact opposite of what those who don't have. You have everything. If You have not only heard the gospel, you have believed the gospel and you have been made alive and have passed from death into life. Lastly, in verse 28 and 29, and now little children... Abide in him. There's that word abide again, by the way. That when he appears, and oh, he's coming back. Don't forget. Don't be caught off guard by that. I mean, he's coming back. Oh, and is he coming back? What a scene that'll be. I sometimes go outside at night, look at the eastern sky, and I'm like, why'd you pick the east? But nonetheless, I just imagine it parting. I imagine it, oh, can you... I just try to imagine it. It says the sky will be rolled back as a scroll. The mountains will flee. And I'm thinking, well, we got the hills. What will they do? They'll probably just get flatter. And, wow, what proceeds out of that eastern sky? Glorious. I just can't imagine. And I'm like, I'm his. That's my God right there. Yeah. But if you don't know him, can you imagine the sheer terror? No wonder they cried for the mountains to fall on them. That ain't going to help. And you'll not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. If you claim to be a Christian and you live like the devil and it doesn't bother you, you are a liar. You don't have the truth in you. You're a pretender. You're a fraud. You're a fake. It's not real. And I'm, I'm glad you could pass a Bible test, but if you don't know Jesus... And you've got to get that knowledge into your soul. And you better cry out for mercy. God, save me. Because not only am I proclaiming to know you as Lord, I am living like I don't. And I don't think I do at all because, well, you see, I'm pretty proud. I can do it myself. Confidence and boldness, then, is the trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger. Especially that involve being honest and straightforward in attitude, and speech. So here's it. Here it is. As Jesus' appearing draws ever closer, we can and should be infused with gospel power and confidence. See what I mean? That's why he said that, let that abide in you. Let that abide in you. 2 Timothy 4.8 And now the prize awaits me. Because remember, he's coming back. The crown of righteousness. This is what Paul wrote. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, he writes, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Do you look forward eagerly to his appearing? Do you look forward to it? I do. How could I not? I mean, 
Do you look forward to Jesus coming back? If you have a fear there, you might need to get alone with God and show Him the truth of your heart. The Bible says there's no fear in love. He loves me. And I love Him. I hate to say this, Renee, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Okay. Okay. So, now it has nothing to do with you. Uh, well, it kind of does. But, uh, so, when she's on call, or when she's on shift, she gets off at 7. And she lives roughly 6 miles from the house or so. And so, I know just about what time she's going to be coming over the hill. So, I'll often go out on the porch and stand on the sidewalk and just wait to see her coming over the hill in that little white car. I do that every time that I'm, because she'll be coming over. First, I get on my phone, because we have iPhones, and I'll see where she is on the blip. But I kind of know the time. And I see her coming, and then she turns left, and she comes up that hill, and I'm just like, and I, I can't help it. You know why? Because I'm so in love with her. I mean, I can't help it. I just, I'm drawn to be looking her way. It gets excited. She's coming home. Okay. Well, while I love her a lot, when I think of Jesus, I'm walking around all the time like, how about today? (laughs) How How about when, you know, you ever just look and you ever just listen? I remember when I was younger in the faith and sometimes on the farm you'd be by yourself and you'd hear a loud boom. I'm like, was that it? Okay, you know, but see, that's good because you're thinking, is it today? Is it today? I live, we should live in expectant hope, but if you don't, do you love him? I love her enough to look, and I love him enough to gaze all the time. I'm going to ask JT if you want to come on up. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you have heard the gospel. You have heard it. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried. And he rose again three days later. Then he was seen by men. What have you done with the reality of Jesus being alive, being present, being God? The Bible tells you to call out to him and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Say, save me, O Lord, my God, from myself. Here's all I've done. Please forgive me and make me yours. And Christian, if you've been living below, if you've been living below who you are in Christ, Take it to the altar. Dump it off. Live. And let that which abides in you propel you forward in hope, in victory, and in confidence. Just a few moments as JT plays. You do business with God. And don't leave until you've actually done it.